Welcome into the Monday edition of your favorite sports show in the land. Yes, this is the Matt and B Show, your favorite sports show in the land. This is B. Matt, are you with us today? I'm here, baby. But I mean, who are you to imply this is my favorite? Well, at least your second favorite. It's it's, it's my favorite. Don't get me wrong. We because we have a ball. We have a blast doing it. Uh, we're thankful for the listeners who. Uh, uh, interact with us on the social media pages, and uh, we're just we're just thankful to have a little sports talk that we can bring to the masses. Absolutely, we love doing it. We we get hyped up about it, even when we're falling over like some of us. Won't mention any names. <laughs> Man down, Man down. Here, baby. Man down. I'm gonna soldier through it, though. Hey, hey, I'm I, I'm gonna soldier through it. We appreciate that, and listeners appreciate that, and. Uh, you know, we've had so much talk, Matt, with basically no sports. And like we said the other day, we get to ramp up and talk about sports starting, talk about some camps opening, talking about schedules, talk about all this stuff. Uh, even this weekend, our beloved NASCAR, two races, two cup races on the weekend, Matt. When's the last time you heard of that happening? Uh, how about never? Never, but Kevin Harvick went one on Saturday. I believe Denny Hamlin won the – Rain shortened race today. So, you know, we've got sports. I believe the Travelers Championship was – PGA Tournament was ended today. Dustin Johnson pulled that one out. Um, so we've got those sports. But what drives the sports world in this country is team sports. And those are coming back. They are. They are. I've got a little trivia later down the road uh, to honor uh, baseball's opening day. So pretty pumped about that. Um, again, you mentioned, you mentioned, I did not, I might be a little beat down, a little tired. Cause I mean, I had sports this morning, this, this weekend, including this morning, uh, um, you know, baseball tournament. I didn't see the first mask, Brandon. Uh, there's no social distancing, distancing, excuse me. There was no quirky rules. Uh, kids just got to play baseball and that ballpark was full. Yeah. So, you know, you, yeah, I mean, you know, just to paint a picture, I mean, you got the four-wheel drive parked up on a hill because uh, you can't find a parking spot. Uh, it's just it, – it was all normal is all I can say in Hendersonville, Tennessee today, this weekend. Well, that's good to hear. Good to hear. And, uh, you know, it's just weird. Just the different places in the country, in the state. I mean, in the state of Tennessee, you know, you were there in Hendersonville in Sumner County and then uh, I believe Davidson County in Nashville has put a mass mandate out on their – on their cl- on their uh, population, so I did, I did see that, and <clears throat> who am I to judge that? Um, I have my own, you know, certain opinions about that mandate, but that's fine. I'll leave them to myself, one way or the other. Nothing's right, nothing's wrong. Opinions are simply just opinions. That's it, and what we got to get back to, and that is what we do in this country: is free to do what we want, and if somebody mandates it, then you have the right to do it, or you don't have to. So that's just what the country is built on. So I, I, let me give you this tidbit of advice for all the bar goers in downtown Nashville. If you pull up, roll up on a bar stool at Tootsie's and that old gal has that mask on and you decide after about a few, you won't take that thing home. You remember that mask can cover a lot of facial surface area. 
So what you may think you see, even in an inebriated state, I would I would at least ask for a sneak peek before you take that home there, Jim Bob, Joe Bob, whoever might have rolled up on that bar stool. I think that sounded bad. Beer, go- beer goggles. That sounded bad. Yeah, beer goggles got a whole new meaning right now, don't they? Yeah, I mean, that's damn near a PSA is what I should call that. <laughs> PSA, yeah. Don't be at Tootsie's singing on the stage with the band, little friends in low places, and you never know. You know, just, just pay attention to what you're doing. So, Well, uh, look at it this way, B. Do you ever purchase a vehicle without checking under the hood? No, absolutely. You got to check it out. You got to kick the tires. You got to check under the mask is what I'm all trying right, to tell right. This is our PSA announcement today from Matt of the Matt and B Show. All views are not of every host of this show. I'm just kidding. Um. <laughs> hey, I'm just here to help the people, okay? I'm just here to help the people. We cover it all here on the Matt and B Show, your favorite sports talk show. Matt, we did have... Including, fornic- including fornication, obviously, <laughs> but continue. Uh, we did have a little news today, a little signing in the pro football world. Uh, how do you replace a an MVP quarterback, Matt? Uh, you sign a former MVP quarterback again. That is the case. The uh, New England Patriots long speculated potentially as a landing spot for Cam Newton have pulled the trigger on that deal, and Cam Newton is now going to be a member one-year deal uh, with the New England Patriots. I think it's a solid move. It's a one-year deal. It, I mean, low cost incentive. No harm, deal. no foul. I think, uh, yeah. I mean, I I don't think they can go into camp with Stidham and Brian Hoyer. I, I think this was a must for the Patriots. No, and and they held out as long as they could. It's not like hello, the New England Patri- Patriots franchise doesn't know what they're doing, so they went cost effective as much as possible by holding out. You know, I mean, I was a guy six weeks ago. Why is Cam not signed? You know, at least to a backup role. Why is Cam not signed? Uh, now Cam signed. Uh, the longer you wait, the less money you receive because, you know, the desperate level kind of gets thrown out there a little bit. So I'm sure it's a contractually friendly deal for the franchise, but it gets Cam back into a potential starting role where after that one year is up, he can go make some more money. Yeah, I don't think Cam's going to New England to to sit on the bench. I I, I believe he's QB one there in New England. Health considered, I, I fully agree. Yeah. Uh, also, in other New England Patriots news, I don't know if you saw this, Matt. Uh, the NFL has fined the New England Patriots one point one million dollars and took away a third round pick in next year's NFL draft, uh, among punishments for their television crews filming the field and sideline during a December 8th game between the Cincinnati Bengals and Cleveland Browns. Yes, I did see that. Yes, the New England Patriots received another slap on the wrist for cheating. I sense, I sense a trend here in this department. Well, it's like it's like making Barry Bonds, Raphael Palmero, Roger Clemens, so on and so forth, uh, You're forced to eat a Happy Meal for McDonald's versus the steak and lobster for post-game meal. You're still getting fed. <laughs> but, oh, this is a punishment now. We're going to levy this against you. This is the best part. I, I, I missed this part of the uh, punishment. This is good. So, in addition, the uh, Patriots television production crews 
will not be allowed to shoot any games during the 2020 season coming up, which we, you kind of figure that. And senior club officials, this is the best part, senior club officials will undergo required training on league operation and game policies. That is the biggest crock <laughs> of horseshit ever. Excuse my language. Brandon, make sure you edit that five seconds before. Leave it in. I, I, I'm, I stand behind what I just said. But do a little caveat. If, if, we're, if we're Bluetoothing down the road in our truck, if the children listen, I apologize. So make sure you hit that volume button real quick before I said that. Honestly, how many more times are they just going to get a slap on the wrist? I read that, and I'm at loss to just reading it. It's like, they'll undergo required training on league operation and game policies. So if I go murder someone, can I receive – well, that was stupid. They didn't murder anyone. If I commit a crime, can I just receive training on how to no longer do that? Because cheating in team sports, cheating in sports in general, is a crime to all to that sport. And if you don't believe me, think about steroids and performance-enhancing drugs and what it done to the sport of baseball. Tim Donahue, is that did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, the NBA yeah. official. I mean, you're you're talking about just major. Uh, Events that have changed and act billions, a billion dollar industry, whether it be MLB or NBA, you're cheating too, New England Patriots. But guess what? Is this the is this the first time, Brandon? We're gonna let them off the hook a little bit because it's their first time, right? Yeah, there's there's a lot of smoke in New England. That's all we'll say. There's a lot of smoke. And, and throw Deflate Gate out of it. Now, Deflate Gate, I, I will I'll go a little bit on the side of the Patriots. That's a little crazy. It's like. I agree. Throw that out. You still have other instances. I mean, come on, NFL. So basically, we give the Patriots anger management. That's what we give them. Yeah, there, there you go. They they get to lay on a couch and express their feelings. That's your punishment. Go think about what you did. Time out. Let me tell you how well that works on my three-year-old, or soon-to-be three-year-old. I tell you what, though, when you get to be our age, you love a solid timeout, though, because it's the only timeout you get to yourself. You love a timeout. Hey, that's the peace and quiet. Timeout, nap time, give it to me. I'll love it. 100%. <laughs> uh, I think we spent enough time on the Patriots today, Matt. Oh, man. Um, no, we've not. No, we've not. So who is training? Read the wording of what training they're receiving again so I don't sound like a complete idiot. Let me pull it back up here. I'm sorry. I've held you up, Brandon. I apologize. No, I got it right here. It just takes a little, just a second. Uh, all it says, required training on league operation and game policies. Are they not a member of the league already? So how the hell do they not already know league policies? Yeah, and uh, this was a statement from the Patriots at the time. Uh, I'm quoting here. I, let, let me guess. This is what I was going to say. Blah, 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 blah. We done nothing wrong. We apologize, however, if you feel we did. Blah, 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 blah. Robert Kraft is still innocent in the state of Florida. Blah, blah. Something like that. But here you go. The sole purpose of the filming was to provide an illustration of an advanced scout at work on the road. There was no intention of using footage for any other purpose. Um, They were shooting this video supposedly for their web series called Do Your Job. Uh, 
but the Patriots did not inform the Bengals or the NFL. And the, this is from the Patriots. They called this, quote-unquote, an unintended oversight. How about do your job <laughs> and no league policies? Oh, they, they know the policies. But the Patriots... I know. That's what makes it so egregious by the NFL and Roger Goodell to put them in timeout, as you said. And it's it's wild to think that a million-plus-dollar fine is nothing. But for a billionaire French, a billion-dollar franchise, a million-dollar fine is is nothing. Robert Kraft ain't having to sit in a tent and sell fireworks to get by to pay that fine. Let's just go on and say that. Right he's, lighting, he's lighting cigars with $1.1 million. I hope not in a fireworks tent. Not a fireworks tent, but, you know. Okay. I know Belichick will be uh, down with the draft pick, but, you know, they find ways to find value at other places. So the draft pick still a third rounder. Uh, this, this is far. This is just completely slap on the wrist per usual. It, it, it's sending me down the Boston Red Sox conversation road, and I, I, I can't go there. I just – I don't understand why these commissioners and the powers that be don't – I'm not saying even to go so far, Brandon, of the proverbial make an example out of a franchise. I'm not I, – I, no. I'm not saying you do that. I'm saying that you simply hold – the feet to the fire of the people who are making these decisions to treat the game and the competitive nature of it unfairly. Is that too much to ask? You have rules, you have laws, you follow them. And, and you know what sucks about that? Because I mentioned PEDs earlier. Is That's a completely different conversation because MLB didn't have rules. They didn't have the protocols in, cl- in place they have now. They didn't have the testing. So that was such a gray area back then. It, it, it's different. But, for example, Boston Red Sox, you set the precedent with your Apple Watch, what, four years ago, three years ago. No technology in the dugout. And then you turn around and do it again. And what does the MLB do? Timeout. They went They went Zach Morris on them and called a timeout. <laughs> they did. Full Zach Morris, just a little timeout for everybody. Um and then it just, you know, you said, like you said, you don't not necessarily make an example of somebody, but if that's the harshest punishment you're going to give anybody, what deterrent is it? But I'm, I'm shoot, if I'm the sucky Miami Dolphins, why not try to get that competitive edge and cheat? It's worth 1.1 million to see if I can get another couple wins out of it, maybe make a playoff run. Because, or excuse me, a playoff game. If I make that divisional playoff game, I guarantee you I'm banking a lot more than 1.1 million. Yeah, apparently sometimes all it costs is an entire set of trash cans. I mean, that's... Well, this is true, too. (sighs) We'll get back to some baseball talk in a bit, Matt. Um, If you saw this week, also the NBA has released their schedule for the rest of their regular season, which will last from July 30th to August the 5th. That's a little wild to say NBA... July to August the 5th and then continue on after that playoff wise. But hey, NBA's getting together. They're coming back. And if it's not a uh, big red truck as far as who the NBA wants to put out in the spotlight, opening night, Matt, Thursday night, July 30th, TNT doubleheader. Do you want to guess what two people are 
playing in those games? I'm probably going to say it's not like the Wizards versus the Nuggets. It's not the Wizards and the Nuggets. Uh, the first game. Something tells me baby Bron Bron is going to have something to do with this. He is he is the the late night game or the uh, eight o'clock central game will be the the clip show and the lake show. Uh, Clippers versus Lakers uh, is Giannis. Does Giannis get some love in this? No, no Giannis. So well, that no, that's a smaller market. Of course, that wouldn't be right. wise now, would it? Wow. Um. First off, Brooklyn. They don't. That that may make a little sense. I don't know. Tell me. Uh, the first matchup would be the Jazz and the Pelicans. Really, Zion Williamson and the New Orleans Pelicans. That's interesting enough. Which, if New Orleans, they're outside the eighth spot, if I'm not mistaken, then if they happen to pass the Grizzlies in this little end of the regular season. Uh, first round of the Western Conference playoffs would feature the Lakers and the Pelicans going against each other round one. That's an interesting matchup. I'll, I'll say good job, NBA, on that one. Hey, they're trying to promote. They've got the, the this year's number one overall pig, Zion Williamson. And uh, the Pelicans ain't bad, but we'll see if they can get past the Grizzlies. Grizzlies. Little snafu there, folks. Uh, we lost service with each other there, but we're back. We're back here on the Matt and B Show, round two. Uh, Matt was telling us about this great ESPN commercial. If you've never seen it, Matt, go ahead and tell them about it. The old. Well, I don't even know if, if it's that important to tell anymore. Now it kind of ruined my thunder. But uh, I just remember growing up, again, ESPN sort, Sports Center commercials were beyond hilarious. I mean, they were just so well done. Of course, they had, you know, the, the, an athlete involved in each individual commercial. They were great. Well, Brandon can set the scene. We always said, it's the Pelicans. I'm telling you the Pelicans. Off of what? One of the first, I guess. Uh, not the first, mind you. One of the first, I guess, in our childhood, funniest ESPN Sports Center commercials regarding the Pittsburgh Penguins. Brandon, tell, mm-hmm. us, tell us a little bit about that. It was a <laughs> great commercial. Yeah, and I, and I think actually these, I think this one predated the Sports Center commercials. Really? If, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was. Dang, Na- you are old. Wow. Yeah, I think it was National Hockey Night, like ESPN National Hockey Night, when they still actually showed hockey on ESPN. Um, that's, it, it was, that's, that's interesting stuff. That's, that's, I did not know. Thanks for sharing that. I believe it was. I, and it was in the, in the infancy of the Mighty Ducks franchise. And, uh, yeah, the, the coach was there. The opposing coach was getting his team ready for the game and, Tonight, guys, we're playing the Mighty Pelicans. <laughs> just, we always said, I'm telling you, it's the Pelicans. We just always And then he started trying to spell it. He said, P-E. I'm telling you, it's the Pelicans. This 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 commercial, ladies and gentlemen, you're like, where, what rails? Oh, it is man. better if than you can, the one. If you can which... ever find it, and, and I could be wrong, it may not be National Hockey Night. It could definitely be a sports center commercial. I'm not saying I'm right there. We're talking about a long time ago. Yeah. I will say this. It's better than, like, the power goes out and Carl Rabbits walks in the break room and Lance Armstrong's uh, bicycling to keep the power on in Bristol, Connecticut. I can tell you that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, was, it was tremendous. It was tremendous. All right, Matt, I think it's about time for Matt's trivia. I, I did hear 
from a couple of uh, listeners that uh, they missed match trivia on Friday. We we kind of moved in some trivia there with our day in sports history. So they said, "Where's Matt's trivia?" So here's Matt's trivia. Here, here's Matt's trivia. Well, uh, opening day is going to come July twenty fourth. Correct, Brandon. Uh, July is it twenty third and twenty fourth? Twenty third. Okay. So I couldn't wait until then to drop a trivia. I had to do it now regarding opening day. So let's do some opening day trivia. And by the way, guys and girls. If you don't know what opening day is or what sport it's related to, we're not the podcast. We're not the people for you. Opening day only happens for one sport, Brandon. And what sport is directly tied into, correlated to the two words opening day? Baseball. Exactly. All right. So here we go a little trip. Brandon, who has the most opening day? Home runs. I'll give you. A, I'll give you a couple hints. They're both Hall of Famers, and there is a tie. As I said, both. Uh, let's see. Willie Mays. No. How about? Uh, you might think he's a cousin to Jackie. Frank Robinson. Well done. Sweetest swing ever in the world. The uh, Frank Robinson, I believe, was the uh, first player to ever win the MVP in both leagues. In both leagues, yes. But the second guy I'm giving you, hint-wise, the sweetest swing ever in the world, in my opinion. Oh, King Griffey. Yes. Junior. Sorry, there's two of them. Junior. Not that that old man didn't have a good swing, too, but nothing like the kid. Let's just say that. And by the way, can we not say the kid was just an absolute awesome nickname for a 19-year-old coming up? Well, he was. He was a kid. I mean, that's for sure. They both share eight homers for opening day. All right. Who has started the most opening days? Now, I know there are some iconic starting pitchers along the way. When I say iconic starting pitchers of all era, let's think modern day era, by the way, to help you there. Who has started the most opening days? Tom Seaver. Son of a gun. Really? Well done. Hey, all right. About that? With 11. I mean, I helped you out there. I mean, don't get me wrong, but. Um, would you, Julio Tehran had like, what, seven? Something like that in a row, yeah. And uh, I didn't include it on my day in sports, but also on, on this day as this drops, uh, Tom Seaver was acquired by the Boston Red Sox. 1986, I believe. Uh, that would be the last leg of his illustrious career. So you had Seaver, you had Ryan. I mean, of that era. I mean, there were a couple, don't get me wrong. But of, again, creeping. Well, that is the modern era. But creeping into, like, our you and I, mine and your time frame, I should say. Well, you're forgetting, Seaver, you're forgetting about a big 300-game winner in that group, too, though. In the Seaver and Ryan era? Yeah. Uh, 300 game winner. Uh-huh. Hall of Famer. Believe I mean, he is also a Braves Hall of Famer. Well, Nutsy, Necro. Well, it wasn't one I'm thinking of, but I forgot. Yeah, we have, do have Necro. So, who are you thinking of? Well, he's in the Braves Hall of Fame for his broadcasting. Oh, are you throwing. 
Explain. Don Sutton. Oh, valid point. Okay. All right. Well, I, I was thinking Braves player Hall of Fame. You went Braves broadcasting, and I still didn't make the connection. Yeah. Yes, Don Sutton threw a million innings, and he is a 300-game winner. Threw me for a loop. Again, I thought it was my trivia. I mean, I always, oh, I always mistake and, you know, I'm always wrong there. I think it's my trivia and, you know, you step on my toes, whatever. All right. Uh, what year, softball, what year did Jackie Robinson break the color barrier for opening day? 47. Exactly. All right. Just a young pup then. The only pitcher. One of the best of his era. Let's think a tick back from the Seavers, the Suttons, the Rhymes. The only pitcher to throw an opening day no-hitter. It was versus the White Sox, so I'll give you the AL. That's all I'm going to give you. I'm not giving you a team. Opening day no-hitter. I guess I need – it would be fair if I give you a year. 1940. Oh, uh, Bob Filler. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. I've been studying all day, man. I've been studying all day. I tell the man 10 minutes before we start broadcasting this little shindig of a show, we call it. Tonight's trip is going to be on open today, and he starts Googling immediately. Let's just let's throw that out there. Let's not. I, I, haven't, I haven't Googled a thing. I haven't Googled a thing. All right. The first president to throw an opening day pitch. First president, opening day pitch. Harry Truman. Thank God you got one wrong. William Howard Taft in 1910 became the first president to throw a ceremonial first pitch on opening day. Since then, this is interesting to me. Since then, every president besides Jimmy Carter and Donald J. Trump has thrown at least one ceremonial first ball for opening day. Jimmy Carter is a diehard Braves fan. He did throw first pitch uh, in the World Series. Yes, but we're... What is this World Series trivia, Brandon? No, 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 no. Okay, I love you, but I gotta correct you. I mean, come on. All right, in 1907. Now hold on a second. I'm sorry. Your William Howard Taft. Now I am googling now. I heard you. I heard you clicking. You hear me clicking? I'm clicking. I'm clicking. I'm clicking. Uh, yes, and this is uh, William Howard Howard Taft can be credited with the. Beginnings of the seventh inning stretch and take me out to the ball game. If I'm not mistaken. Okay, Google quicker because I'd like to know your, where you're going with this. Uh, as you're as you're googling, let me give you another one. Okay, go for it. Not opening day 1907. Excuse me, at the Polo Grounds, of course, where the New York Giants played versus the Phillies. Why was this game called? before it ended in a forfeit for the Phillies to receive the forfeit win? Due to darkness. Good guess. When the Giants fell behind, in true New York fan fashion, it became a snowstorm at the beginning of the game. Well, they fell behind, they fell behind so the New York Giants fans decided to have a snowball fight, which incited, excuse me, ensued a riot. In the stands. Snowballs, baby. 1907. Snowballs. Was was Buddy the Elf involved? 
No, he wasn't. But Buddy, the solid movie, man, solid movie. Solid movie. <laughs> All right, I've Googled. I've Googled. Let's hear it. I've officially Googled. Uh, this is uh, according to History.com, the History Channel. So I think they kind of researched their stuff a little bit. Uh, it says, according to one popular tale, William Howard Taft, America's 27th president, is to thank for this ritual of the seventh inning stretch. In 1910, Taft attended the opening day game of the Washington Senators at Griffith Stadium, which is the one I believe you questioned about. Throughout the first pitch, yes, inaugurating the custom of first pitch by tossing by the commander-in-chief. As the story goes, by the seventh inning, the president, who tipped the scales at more than 300 pounds, big boy, big fella, big fella was feeling cramped in his seat and got up to stretch his legs. The crowd thinking the chief executive was leaving, <laughs> rose to its feet out of respect, and the stretch supposedly was born. So where does Harry Carey singing during the seventh inning stretch come into this? Because something tells me Harry Carey was probably about 18, 19 years old in 1910. At least. But this is just the seventh inning stretch. I don't know about take me out to the ball game. So I, I was close. It's the seventh inning stretch. I knew there was um, – music eventually became a part of the routine – uh, and there you go, here here you go, right here. Uh, in 1976, Harry Carey popularized the singing of Take Me Out to the Ball Game when he was with the Chicago White Sox. You know, usually, Brandon, I really just get highly pissed at you when you always, like, consistently, when I say consistent, I mean every single time I try to do trivia, you hijack it with your own trivia. I do. But I'm going to say this. You brought something to the table this evening that was educational. Anytime I get to learn something I didn't know about baseball, linking it directly to United States history, 27th president, William, William Howard Taft. For once, during my Matt's trivia, Brandon did not anger me, and he, he, he brought some joy into my little trivia world. I'm going to give you credit on that one. There we go. I, I thought I remember that story from once upon a time, so hey. Uh, pay attention sometime. There we All go. right, you mentioned the White Sox. Last one. In 1990, uh, excuse me, 1974 at Comiskey Park, I guess you would call it Old Comiskey Park now, what disrupted the game and incited violence in the stands? We got more violence in the stands. Ooh, I almost mentioned this when you were talking about the snowball fight. What do you got? Uh, this is the Disco Demolition Derby, right? Is this, the, is this that night? No. The dis oh disco demolition derby or the disco night or whatever is this is this that okay, right? Well, apparently you're gonna to have to teach me something else because that's new to me. On this night in 1974, opening day at Comiskey Park, fans uh, stripped naked and streaked across the field. Oh, okay. Well, that was uh, you got you, you got an eyeful at that. So game. you're going you're going disco night. I'm going. Uh, Franks and Beans night. How about that? Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's all I got. Keep it PG thirteen. I've already said a cuss word this evening. And I felt bad about it, so I I, I want to say I, I wanted to keep it PG thirteen. Yeah, I thought surely the, the 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 disco debacle and the snowball was not on the same day in history. That would have been that would have been weird. Well, but anyway, when I, it was wasn't it Atlanta like in eighty one or something? Penny beer night. 
Well, I'm sure they had peanut beer night. They had plenty of ballparks. Oh, it went over terribly. Yeah, then they run out of beer in the third inning or something. Yeah, like and of that. course everybody's just pissed drunk, and we all know how that goes after the fact. <laughs> Swimmingly, yeah, every it's just a wonderful it's, night. Yeah. In the in the early '80s, you didn't have to be inebriated to be an angry Braves fan, anyway. I mean, no, you had to be inebriated to go be a Braves well, that's fan. That's true too. About well, no, 80, we we did win Division '82. You know, that's late '70s, very early '80s. Yeah, we weren't we weren't very good. All right, well, that's I'm proud of it. I don't care if anybody else is. Well, we're proud of it too, Matt. We're proud of it too. Uh, well, I'll just go ahead and let you hijack this day in sports history. I'll go ahead and do that today, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about the the rosters that were released for the upcoming what I've seen referred to as summer camp for baseball coming up instead of spring training or spring training 2.0 since we have long passed the spring. Um, but on this day, Matt, as we drop this show, would be June 29th if my calendar shows correct. Uh, this day in 1986, uh, Sparky Anderson is the first to win 600 games as manager in both leagues. Sparky would be a good one, to say the least. Sparky would be a good one, to say the least. Uh, on this day, 1990, the A's Dave Stewart and the Dodgers Fernando Valenzuela both did what on the same day? And what, what say that again, date-wise? 1990. Dave Stewart, terrible future GM, general manager for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and Fernando Mania. I guess I'm going through a no-no? Both threw a no-hitter on the same day. Dave Stewart no-hit the Blue Jays, and Valenzuela no-hit the Cards. So, Oakland versus Dodgers, they had to be on that same staff, or on their respective staff, correct? In the World Series, I should say. In nineteen ninety? Well, no, what eighty eight was the Earthquake Series, correct? Eighty nine was Earthquake Series. Eighty nine. They yeah, both of them were they were eight. I, I know Stewart started game one. Was Fernando yeah. he was eighty nine too. Well eighty eight was Dodgers and A's. Eighty eight. Gibson was eighty eight and Valenzuela was hurt. He didn't play in the series. Uh well I brought that up because we were talking about, you know, great pitchers of that era and certainly those two would have been in the conversation. Yeah, was especially Dave Stewart during that time. I think he won four, uh, 20 games four years in a row. Oh, yeah, it was Dave Stewart, Dave Steeb. Uh, you know, no Hall of Fame guys, but really, truly dominant arms of that, that era. Yeah, I watched the, uh, the World Series highlight tape the other day, just because that's what I do, uh, of the 93 World Series, which the Braves were not involved in, the Phillies and the Blue Jays. And uh, I think the first two games of that series, it was Jack Morris and Dave Stewart pitched for the Blue Jays. Well, Jack Morris, there is a Hall of Famer of that era. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, pretty good one two punch there when he went to Toronto for, for 93. Yeah, for sure. But we don't want to talk about it, do we? No, I don't, I don't, I don't like it at all. Uh, so that, that's my day in sports. I do have a couple of, of interesting, just little history tidbits. Uh, for all the nerds out there like myself, uh, this day in 1940, uh, Batman Comics published the debut of Robin, if you're a Batman fan. Um, 
And also, interesting little tidbit, on this day in 2002, uh, Vice President Dick Cheney was the acting president of the United States for two and a half hours. Uh, elaborate. Uh, President Bush was undergoing a colonoscopy oh. and was incapacitated. So during that time, I believe if I'm correct, it's the 25th Amendment. So you are said that, yes. Well, I'm sorry I asked to, to make you bring up the word colonoscopy. but Yes, yes, I had to bring that up. But, hey, it was, as, as adult males, we all should get checked when our time is there. It's a real thing. That's okay. Well, let's another PSA. I'm bringing solid PSAs. Solid PSAs. Hey, smart people tell me once upon a time everybody has one, and you can finish that sentence however you want. So, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so there's my history for the day. All right. I almost like it as much as my trivia. Almost, almost. We're presidential today. We're very presidential today. Dang right, we are. All right, man. What? Why we're here? What we're here for? Baseball getting started. The Braves today, and everybody had to submit their sixty-man player pool, or I should say, up to sixty-man player pool for the upcoming baseball season. Uh, I believe the Braves have fifty-seven, counting one gentleman on the DL. Now, explain, yeah. explain player pool because, in fairness, listeners, I had to okay. ask when Brandon sent this today. I had to, of all the MLB Network radio I listened to, the the term player pool I had not heard of. So yeah, every team will have a sixty man. Every team will have a sixty man player pool. Uh, if you're not a baseball fan, you may not know the minor league baseball season is not happening. So there is no minor leagues uh, to draw from during the season. So there is a sixty man player pool. Uh, everybody that's on your forty man roster plus whoever else you want to add to that. So, you know, the first – I think when the season starts, you're going to have 30 guys. Uh, two weeks in, you got to drop to 28. And then two weeks after that, you got to get down to the normal 26. Um, so these are your guys that are in your caravan, in your shuttle. I think shuttle is the term they've been using. So let's say – hopefully not. Freddie Freeman goes down – don't you, do you that call, Don't you put that mojo on us. Who are you going to call up when minor leagues are not happening? So this is the pool of players that they're possibly still training in Gwinnett or wherever. So, you know, hey, they've got Jan Herbis Talarte in, over in Gwinnett still practicing. So, hey, come on over. So in the way I likened it, uh, which is probably a dumb way, I don't know how my little brain works, is – you you got say this is the third week of February. You got in in you you became an invitee as camp to camp to spring training. But however, now that you're invited invited, excuse me, to whatever this is, thank you, COVID now, is you don't get sent down, you can all only always get sent up. Does that make sense? Is that a good a simpler way to kind of wrap my little mind around it? Yeah, and, and we can still – obviously, there's still going to be moves made, additions made. Uh, and, 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 you know, obviously, players could still be released, just like they would any other time. But at any one time, these are the players that you can pull from when you have, unfortunately, an injury, which 
probably going to happen for some folks. It just this is part of the game. Of course, and the whole it's a sprint, not a marathon, which is really hard to wrap your mind around if you're a diehard baseball fan. Is going to be just super interesting for us all to watch it play out. Because again, I mean, if okay, let's pretend Bryce Harper actually could hit over 260 and he was that big oh i didn't know he was telling jokes today i'm ah, sorry he was that big of a driving force in the phillies lineup he goes down with an oblique for a month it's it's huge yeah absolutely and obviously with the virus concerns they're will make sure they have plenty of bodies if you have multiple players that go down um i mean injuries but injuries are such such an important deal in baseball. There, every sport. Don't get me wrong, but say you had ten G's on whatever the odds were of the Dodgers winning the West. Walker Bueller, Bueller goes down week two. I'm scared to death. I'm I'm, I'm losing that bet. It, it's just that simple. Within this short of so, so much of a short window of sixty games. And you're taking his X amount of starts out of it. It's just it's it's a killer for one key injury for any team. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but it could also be a chance to see some younger players that maybe we wouldn't see for a little bit. I, I was going there next because it works on the other end. If if you're the Tigers and you are you're Oh, three and a half games out with a month to go. Month to go, excuse me. Do you call up Casey Mize and let it ride, risking his service time? You know, to start that clock on his service time. I mean, it, I think that scenarios are going to play out where franchises are going to show how much they truly are about winning just this condensed season. Yeah, absolutely, and. Um... You know, in the Braves' case, you know, we have our five outfielders that we've been talking about, uh, the potential rotation with Acuna and Duvall, Enciarte, Marquecas, and Ozuna, and with the designated hitter thrown in. But, you know, if one of those guys potentially goes out, the Braves have two more outfielders on their 60-man player pool. It's same for same for the Casey Mize, Detroit Tigers conversation. Are you going to right. and Waters or not? Yeah, but well, they're the only options. If they go down, you want another outfielder. That's that's the other two outfielders on our oh. Or do you save that service time and you're spotting Charlie Culberson in left field? Potentially that as well. You have all those. You've got uh, some veteran players that we have as non-roster invitees, Yonder Alonzo, like the one I mentioned earlier, Yon, Yon Hervis, Salarte. you got Pete Cosma. You've got – Yeah, we, we, I saw that. Pete Cosmo, yeah, just whatever. Um, that is the Paul Giannis selection this year. Ooh, good name. Forgot about that guy. I can safely say that. Uh, well, let me ask you this. What can number, you spell Giannis? That's what, the question. What number in the pecking order did Julio Franco fall regarding this player pool? Uh, I think he was 61. That's about how old he is now, isn't it? So he didn't make the top 60. No, I didn't make the top 60. Well, that's unfortunate because something tells me right now he could still rake at 61 or whatever he is. 
Well, he'll, he'll play until he's 58, so he's got to be older than 61. Come on. Oh, he's like Benjamin Button. He goes backwards. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But just uh, the one name that hit me when I was looking at this player pool, Matt, uh, obviously seeing Pache and, and Waters on there, uh, not that I want any of our outfielders to go down, but just that opportunity perhaps of, hey, they're there if we want them, need them, is interesting. Uh, even some of the, the name in Anderson's on our list. I was going to uh, say the way you built that, that conversation up, it's got to be the arms. Yeah, the arms. And then imagine three weeks ago, you were a college draft pick from Wake Forest. Oh yeah. And now you're on the Braves 60 man player pool and you have not thrown a pitch in the minor leagues. Oh, for sure, and Alex Anthopoulos was on MLB Network yesterday morning, maybe, talking about – I mean, well, th- these were his words. He said something. They were asking about his curveball or whatever. Alex Anthopoulos on MLB Network Radio, I believe it was yesterday morning, was uh, they were talking about Schuster and his curveball and how his changeup has developed and this, that, and the other, just, you know, breaking the kid down. And by the end of the conversation, Alex Anthopoulos just said, don't be surprised if this kid didn't pitch in Atlanta by the end of this year. And I was like, what? That was that was shocking to me. Now, how much does he mean that regarding service time and everything else? I don't know. You would like to think there's some truth to it because he's not just some high school kid drafted. You know, he, he's got some college time. He's an older kid, so. Right. I, I would say though it it doesn't bode well for our pitching staff as a whole if 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 that scenario plays out. Wouldn't you agree though? Yeah, I was gonna make, just about to make that comment. I mean, then you look at the names, and then some of the minor league names that haven't cracked or had a chance at the big leagues yet. I mean, you get into the Ian Andersons and the uh, the well, you got Waggles and of the world, Patrick Waggles of the world. Weigel's there, Kyle Wright still. I mean, I know he's had a taste, but, you know, he's not been in there full bore all year. I'm tired of hearing uh, Bryce Wilson. It's just Bryce Wilson's – I guess this is unfair because it's such a condensed year, but at some point, Bryce Wilson, he, he has to be the Bryce Wilson that, that scouts have told us he, he is or he should be. Yeah, he needs to be Bryce Wilson from his first start in the big leagues. Go, oh, fair enough. Great point. For sure, yeah. I mean, you got plenty of uh, names, and you know, I, you know, and we're talking about all these kids and we're excited about those. We always are, you know. Always see the next crop moving up. But how fun is it going to be to see Cole Hamels and Felix Hernandez in the Braves? Well, I, I would contend King Felix Instead not of- not so much. You know, if we can get X amount of starts out of him. It'll be great because uh, he looked great in spring training, you know, for all that may or may not be worth. But to me, if we're talking pitching staff only regarding the Atlanta Braves, Fulty and Cole Hamels will absolutely tell the tale of what we can do and who we can be as a postseason team. Yeah, Absolutely. And, and then, of course, we you know we've solidified the bullpen, we think. Bullpen should be a strength this year. Yeah. After all those moves, uh, you would think that 
Luke Jackson would not need to be relied on as much. Oh, you <laughs> poor Luke. Lord, poor Luke. Nice guy. The if you looked at his overall numbers, which obviously sitting under a fireworks tent, I don't have from last year. They're not bad. Luke did some good stuff until, and he held it down as much as he could until we made the moves at the deadline with with the three relievers. But God bless that kid. When it went south for him, I mean, it was in a hurry, and it was loud when he was on the mound. I mean, it was awful. How many times did you and I throw Luke Jackson jokes back and forth when he would come in to pitch? Oh, we have a a Braves group chat. For sure. And, uh, yeah. Luke Jackson name may have been taken in vain a few times. Mm-hmm. Every let's, game. <laughs> and let's hope Chris Martin comes back healthy and not throws, you know, not throw one pitch and like almost die in a playoff game. That'd be great because we'd love to have his arm out of the bullpen. Well, and then you have Darren O'Day, who really still has not had much time with Braves. No, he's not. Alex Anthopoulos loves him, though. So maybe they're going to smoke to that fire. I mean, they're. I love what Josh Tomlin did. I mean, he's not going to come in and overpower you and, and wow you and everything else. But he ate some solid innings up, back to your Luke Jackson point, when we didn't have the bullpen to do it. Josh Tomlin was the unsung hero of, of the pitching staff last year, I think. Just, you know, nobody has that long reliever anymore. Used to, you'd have a guy that was, you know, we, we talked about fifth, fifth starters, uh, having a five-man rotation, six-man rotation. You know, used to you had that cleaner. You had that guy who would make a start or he would be your long man out of the pen. And you, you don't really see that much anymore, but he kind of filled that role for us last year. I mean, he, he was a workhorse when, when – I mean, it's – well, I guess workhorse is wrong because that opportunity is kind of few and far between. You know, it's either you're up 13-2 or more than likely you're down 13-2, you know, when that guy's got to come in and eat up innings, you know, three through seven or whatever. But, uh, man, he'd done it, and he'd done it well. He really did. He did, and he was a late signing in spring training last year, if I'm not mistaken. Like, right before – I don't think he ever pitched for us in spring training. Yeah, he was the Aaron Harangue, the Ben Sheets, the uh, – the list may go on of, of, of bright – you don't want to call them retreads. Lord, they're still big leaguers. But I think you know what I mean. Kind of on the back end. Uh, He's the Felix Felix Hernandez of this year. Well, I mean, we took a flyer. And, and Felix is what, 32, 31? Right. And he, it feels like he's 40? Yeah, he's felt like he's been here forever. And, I mean, he's, he's pitched in the big leagues for 11 years. It's crazy. But one he's would hope to say he's still got enough gas in the tank. I think he will. He knows how to pitch and – I think he's figured out he's not the kind of pitcher that he used to be. He's not Ricky Vaughn. He's Eddie Harris. This is true. I'll go – let's go still Braves topic, but off pitching topic. This may be the most catching depth the Braves have had in a long, long time. Shay Langoliers is, is – he's close. He really is. William Contreras is close. Of course, we pick up Darno, Tyler Flowers. Those are your main two, of course. I'm kind of soured on the Alex Jackson experiment. Uh, the Braves are still obviously high on him. Of course, they're not going to say they're not, I guess. But but Langoliers yeah. and Contreras give us a ton of catching depth if someone does go down. 
Yeah, and you say that, but I and I think Alex Jackson is going to be the third, going to be the first man up after Darnell and Flowers, just because he's been there. Yeah, he's had a taste, I, I, and I understand that. Um, but yeah, Langoliers had a had a good spring going. It was with the, with the club during the spring, and then yeah, if you're choosing anybody's bat between those three regarding Jackson, Langoliers, and Contreras, it's 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 Langoliers. It's got to be. Yeah, I think, you know, you hear so much about Contreras, especially with, you know, his brother in the big leagues, obviously. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, th- I think Langoliers is probably the catcher of the future. I, I think his bat probably could already play in the bigs. I really do. Yeah, I remember watching them in the in the regionals, uh, run up to the Super Regionals in College World Series year before last, right when he got drafted, and he yeah, he raked. It was it was pretty impressive. Well, uh, outfield we've already touched on. Uh, it is what it is. It'll be interesting to see how they get Culberson his at bats. Uh, I, th- I think you're looking Austin Riley. You know he's going to he's going to get a ton out of the DH position, which tells yeah. you Johan Camargo plays a lot at third. But I still wonder how. Are you willing to call Johan Camargo an everyday player? The year he did it, he was solid. Exactly, but that was two years ago. Not so much on the bench, so we will see how far they go with that. But, yeah, the, we had this talk with the DHs that's just going to give the Braves so much uh, flexibility of keeping people in it back. I mean, I can see the, the days when, when Bobby was managing that you know, he'd probably be running somebody in and out and make sure they all get at bats in that DH role. God love Bobby. I think he was a little overly nice at times. Um, it, but it's tough to – you would like to think your players can communicate to you, you know, and your coaching staff. Hey, I tweaked the hammy. This happened. This happened. Hey, uh, me and my wife just got in a fight. I ain't feeling it mentally today uh, before I got to the ballpark, whatever. It's not like that. They're competitors. They think they can go out there. They're supermen. They can go out there and battle all the time. So, nothing wrong with Bobby giving guys the benefit of the doubt. But I, I do feel like sometimes he would uh, he would stray away from what just simply worked. But I'm not a Hall of Fame manager, so who am I to say? Yep. Say what you want. That's what we do here on the show. Say what you want. Uh, but as always, looking forward to the season getting started. Uh, ready to see that schedule come out. We'll, like I said, we'll be playing the 23rd or the 24th of July. be opening day for the Braves. So we're right at here about three weeks away from real deal baseball. It's coming, baby. It's coming. It is coming. We'll be here with you every step of the way. We'll, we'll uh, any news as always. We will have that ready for you on Friday. Uh, wait a second, that's Friday. That means the Friday Five will be back, Matt, this Friday, I believe. Is that, is that what we do on Friday? Friday Five. Well, I mean, it's not the Tuesday Five. I know that because we don't even tape a show on Tuesday. No, don't even tape a show on Tuesday. So yeah, we will post that this week. Y'all be ready for the Friday Five as. Always a fun time for us. Had a lot of good interaction last week. I'm sure whatever we come up with for this week's Friday Five, 
Uh, we'll have some another good conversation with that as well. Uh, Matt, appreciate you soldiering on tonight. Long day of baseball and fireworks. Hey, no, no time, load management, whatever it's called here, baby, on me. That's right, the Iron Horse. Matt Rigsby with us here tonight on the Matt and B Show. And so we'll let him get off here, guys. We'll see you Friday. As always, email us, show at gmail.com. Catch us on all of your podcast networks. Uh, I post on Facebook uh, this weekend. All of those links, they'll get you right to our show page. We're everywhere. That's all I'm going to say this week. And with that, Matt, tell our folks to get out of here. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks again for listening. We love y'all for it. Stay safe. Have a great one. All right, guys. We'll catch you Friday on the Mad B Show.